Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. This is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com, and I'm here today with Julie Clare. Julie is a spiritual guide and a healer, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation about soul alchemy. Welcome, Julie. Hello. So good to have you here, Julie. Julie works with inner journeys to process and explore the soul. There are many, many ways to do your inner work and taking these kind of inner journeys, whether they're shamanic or through hypnosis or Julie's inner journey process, they're really effective for change, for self-discovery, and they're great fun. So Julie, why don't you share a little bit about the whole process of inner alchemy? I think it's one of the things I'm the most grateful for having gotten to, to learn in my life. I have a very story kind of energy. I, I love unfolding in stories. And for me, journeys really allowed me to fully expand into that, that way of being and realizing that everything in you is a story. Your soul is a story, your childhood is a story, and all these stories are like intermingling within this, this space of, of you. And the journeys that I, I learned through this shaman that trained me are incredibly powerful for learning how to bring the stories together into a harmonious unit where you are the story of you instead of having a story about you over there that you don't really like and a story over there. And a, it's like a process to bring them all back together into a unified experience of yourself. And that is so incredibly valuable and fun. It's, it's, it's a journey. It's a really cool journey too. Very powerful as well. So some of our listeners might not understand what we mean when we say inner journey. So maybe you could explain that. It's uh, just like you would go on a trip, you know, and that, that's a journey into the outer world. A, an inner journey is you going into yourself and through the use of images and the power of your subconscious mind to help you navigate your internal landscape, the, the journeys allow you to go into yourself and, and discover many levels and layers to yourself. And the subconscious mind loves doing things like that with you because often there's a big barrier between our conscious, logical, rational, you know, this thing we walk around with in the world. And then the whole internal landscape of who you are, which is so much vaster. So it's such a wonderful way to actually start discovering who you are that is completely beyond physical representations that you see of yourself or that others send back to you. And what's even more cool is that as you do journeying within you and you get to know yourself more and you get to see and understand what you did give your power away to and you take back your story, you decide, it changes how people act with you. And, and that, is, that is always amazing to realize, oh my God, I do something in me and it changes what's happening on the outside. And that's something I've noticed 
in change work that is actually, it is astounding actually that you can shift something in yourself and the way the world responds to you then shifts. And what's even more incredible about that is that the, sometimes you can tell from the outer world how safe you feel with the shift that you did. And it, and it becomes very interesting after you can use the outer world as your gauge to see where am I at in my inner world? Cause I just, I did this thing and I, I changed something in me and the reaction I'm getting from the outside is kind of strange. So what's going on? And then it's like an occasion to go back in and see, okay, what's going on? So that's also very amazing. It's, it's as much in a positive as a negative way, you know, like you, you can get to see what you didn't fully integrate or what has completely shifted in how the outer world reacts to, to your presence. I actually liken this to being in a dream. So we've all had dreams. So people can have an understanding of that's the kind of energy it is almost. And we can pop an object into our inner landscape or take an object out. And that object has a representation to our unconscious mind that will shift things. So it can be a little bit like a game or a puzzle that you play with and tweak to get the right circumstances on the outside. Absolutely. And, and we really could we could summarize inner journeys as a form of lucid dreaming. We really could. Uh, the state that you're in when you're doing, uh, you know, like a internal work where you are aware and awake, and at the same time you're in an alpha state, you know, where you are able to be in the dream and be aware that you're in the dream. Whereas, you know, like it happens sometimes when we're dreaming that we become aware, you know, whereas with inner journeying, you get to do that at will. All of a sudden you, you have a way of entering into a dream frequency in your brain, but you're still completely lucid and able to navigate and, you know, discuss with figures or objects or, and, and understand things at much deeper levels. So... Everything is symbolic on the inner plane. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd probably agree with me that symbols need to be interpreted by the person who sees the symbol. I would agree. The, in the process that I teach, for example, my role as the guide is to help the person learn how to decode objects properly because these are energy worlds. Things can show up as they choose to show up. One of the things that's really fun about working like that is that you learn to develop discernment. You know, it's one thing to develop energetic discernment in our lives when we're with people. It's another to be in that kind of dream place. And sometimes objects and symbols show up and they seem so wonderful. And how do you discern? How do you work with understanding what that truly is? So. I really, that's one of the things I love the most about the inner journeys and the, the system that I was taught is that you have energetic discernment tools. So it's not a situation where you're just walking around and intaking whatever is coming at you. 
you are learning to have your spiritual boundaries in an energetic environment. And it's incredible how that then translates into your physical life. Julie, can you give us an example of how something that shows up might actually not be how it shows up? Absolutely. Uh, and a really good example would be something that shows up looking like, like an Aladdin lamp, let's say, you know, for somebody to be like, oh, wow, I have an Aladdin lamp, you know. So an example of a discernment tool in that, in that situation would, would be to use a very high frequency violet light and beam it directly on the object that you're seeing. And most often than not, it will not keep that shape. If it does not keep that shape, it is not what it says it is. Now, other examples could be beings that show up, you know, and they, I am your guide, I am very important, or things like that. And then you ask them to go through a certain frequency color, and they're like, well, I don't need to do that because I'm na 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 na. And that's another very good <laughs> sign that you're dealing with something that's not showing itself as it is. So, so these are incredible tools to have when you're navigating environments where all these symbols and things show up and, you know, our subconscious mind loves the idea that, oh, there's this angel and he wants to talk to me, you know, and it's like, well, let's find out if that's what it is before we do. So how often would it happen that something is not as it originally appears? How often does it happen? What I can say is, in many ways, it depends uh, how old your soul is, how many incarnations you've had on Earth, specifically. Because uh, let's say the landscape that we work on most of the time in, in soul alchemy is related to your human lives. Sometimes the karma will go further than that. So let's say you've had 2,000 lives on Earth. That's a lot of things you have accumulated. A lot of teachings, a lot of powers, a lot of knowledge, but also a whole bunch of other stuff. We can be very easily manipulated when something shows up and seems to have such good intentions. And sometimes we don't even realize it, that we took something on and we just think it's us. So my experience is, generally speaking, when I start working with someone, the, the, the beginning of the work is mostly decluttering. We are decluttering your landscape, the, the landscape of your soul from all these things that are there. Some of them are yours and they need to be brought back into you because they're like literally on the ground. They're not integrated. And other things are not you and they should not be there. And then that's the part where you get to go, no, I'm done with that. And you establish boundaries and your landscape consistently lets you know what you've done because the colors get brighter. The, the nature gets more vibrant. Uh, what you see there expands, the landscape expands. So you, have, you can constantly have cues letting you know. You said a couple of very interesting things. The first one was about karma. Mm -hmm. So this is, a way you can work through your karma or 
just become aware of your karma? How, how is inner journeying related to karma? I like, I'm glad you asked that question because it's the, the system I was taught by the shaman that taught me that that's now deceased. There are many, many areas in the landscape where you where you can go. And one of these areas is called the Hera mountain. And it's basically all of the conscious and unconscious karmic ties that you are carrying around still. And, and you, you go and work on them directly. You can reintegrate the parts of you that were left behind and you can undo the links that are keeping you tied to someone that it's unhealthy and the relation doesn't serve either person anymore. I haven't really come across anything you can't do through the landscape. There are places to go for your, your personal and your, your soul projects, let's call them. There are places you can go to work on your discernment, your ability to discern what's right for you. Uh, there are areas you can go into to work on your, on your inner guidance and how your psychic skills, because they're all unique to each of us, how they're going to work. There's a castle with all your guides. That's a nice clearing work to do in there most of the time. <laughs> and uh, you even have the temple of your present incarnation where you can have some very very interesting discussions with the guide that you chose to to be your ally in your incarnation and what exactly you came to do and so you mentioned intuition and earlier on you mentioned gifts are there other forms of gifts that you can discover or enhance by taking inner journeys mm -hmm, absolutely just as we carry things from other lives that don't serve us, we also carry things from other lives that are just waiting for us to, to activate them completely. A lot of knowledge and talents and, and psychic powers, and there's a specific place you can go in the landscape which contains uh, pyramids. And by journeying within these pyramids, you can reconnect at a cellular level with very deep teachings that you received or that you know, or something that you gave in other lives and reacquire the understanding of how to use them by exploring these areas of yourself because it's all now. You know, this is what, it gets kind of trippy trying to understand that. All these lives, everything, it's going on now. And you go in the landscape and you, you work on things. It is affecting, it is affecting the other lives as well. Not only your outer life. That's pretty profound. And so if that's the case of inner journey, that would be the case for any type of shamanic journey or any type of change work that whatever you're doing now affects all parts of you. Absolutely. Fascinating. Mm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today? I would say that... One of the things I, that I find that I, I really wish every woman would do in the world, and men as well, because it's, it's, we have a lot of power in our, our sacral chakra. And for most of us, it's, it's, very, it's, very, it's mixed in with a lot of other things and a lot of, you know, for, forbidden this and forbidden that, and we carry all this around. And so for me, the journey to the reproductive system has been... Well, just for me, it was the most profound journey I've ever had. But for everyone I've ever worked with, they regained so much of their 
God-given right to enjoy being themselves and feel at home in themselves and at home with their ability to be creators. So for me, that's, I, I wish everyone, everyone on earth would go and, and declutter that area of our body and of our soul's landscape. Because especially for women, you know, we've had a long history on this earth of not always being able to do what we felt we wanted to do, you know? And it kind of goes like that for men too. Men had to play roles as well. So that to me has been some of the most powerful work I've done with clients. It's really interesting, the concept of decluttering the soul because mm -hmm. we declutter our houses and our desks and our closets. It really does seem like the inner world reflects the outer world and vice versa. One of my mentors put it, she's not the one that taught me the, the landscape of the soul, but she has a way of saying things that it comes down to the same thing. If you put your car on cruise control, does that mean you let go of the wheel? And this is what most of us do. So this is kind of like having a form of psychic hygiene, you know, of, of learning to go within and check, okay, what's going on in my thoughts? What's going on in my body? What's going on in my soul's landscape? These are all layers, you know, that we should be managing, like not as managers, but managing like as you would drive a car, you don't let go of the wheel, but we do. And so in your system, you've mentioned a number of different landscapes. So how many different places are there to visit or does it not ever end? It's, it's a pretty big landscape, but there seems to be a set of spaces. But then there's all these extra rituals. And what I've come to notice too is when someone's advanced enough in the clearing of the landscape, other levels become accessible that have to do with other lives and other life forms, not on the earth. You know, so... I don't think there's a limit to the expansion, just like a shaman recognizes that there is an entire universe in each person he looks at. It's kind of like that too, right? So Julie, do you think people can do this work on their own? I am someone that very much wants people to do things on their own. I am very much autonomy driven. I consider myself a spiritual guide because I will guide you along at the beginning so that you kind of learn how to work with the discernment tools and get kind of good at like, okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. I know what that means. Oh, I, when I feel it there, I know what that means now. So my goal in the long run is always to teach the person how to fish, right? But I can't responsibly just be like, here, that's the journey, go do it. Unless the person is advanced enough that I know their discernment is very well established, there is a need to do a certain amount of work together before you can go and be free in your landscape kind of thing. What would you say to the listeners that might just take an inner journey almost like one they've created in a landscape within their own imagination, not specifically having to do with your program? Any concerns for them? No, it's not... Because the thing with the system that I was taught is it's, it's a very structured way to access the energetic bodies and all the various 
symbolic structures of your soul. It's not like if you just shut your eyes and you're kind of like, I'm on a beach and it's awesome and the waves are hitting me and they're taking away my old sadness. That's perfectly fine. This is not, we're, we're not talking about the same thing. One is uh, the soul alchemy system. It very much is a decluttering process to get the body ready to go into the fifth dimension, you know, kind of like without carrying around a bunch of clutter that's making it hard. Whereas the other kind of journeying, it's, it's, you know, it's like soothing for the subconscious. And it's, it's just you being with yourself in a loving way. I'm just saying, <laughs> when you start going into a structured system like that, that has specific places, and it's, it's all been downloaded and received as a way to clear the soul landscape, that's, that's a different system. I'm glad we clarified that for any listeners that might have been trying to compare the two. Because I've done both. I've done uh, some work with Julie and I've done shamanic journeys. I've, done, I've led shamanic journey circles and they are considerably different. Yeah. So Julie, we're just about ready to wrap up. Would you like to share your contact information? In case anyone listening is, uh, speaks French and they are interested in exploring <laughs> my world in French, my website is julieclaire.ca, julie and then claire with an E, C-L-A-I-R-E.ca. And if you want to explore my services in English, my website is joyfulsoulexpansion.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Julie. It was great fun chatting with you. And I look forward to some more inner journeys with you. Me too. <laughs> I look forward to the journeys I do in me. You know, I've been using this system for over 20 years. And I still journey within my soul landscape on a regular basis. Is that in itself is a testimony. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. Please check out some of our other episodes. We have quite a few really fascinating topics with many guests that might be of interest. You can visit me at thoughtchange.com and pick up your free copy of the Learning to Listen ebook while you're there. I'll put all the details in the show notes and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now.